Okay, people. So, yeah, it's time for Echo Chamber, right? <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's a Christmas Echo. It's not the Christmas Echo Chamber, though. Um, you know what I mean? But we are on the, uh, you know, build up to, boy, this year has seemed to fly by. Uh, but we got films to look at, people always a good thing so let's start things off as we do with the uk box office top 10 this is for the weekend of the 15th to the 17th of december and at number 10 we have got home alone chris columbus directs john hughes writes starring macaulay colkin joe pesci daniel stern john hurd Roberts Blossom, Catherine O'Hara, Angela Gaffarellas, Devon Battery, John Candy also had a killer role in it. You know what I mean? Little guest spot. At number nine is Elf. This is John Favreau and David Birnbaum. Will Farrell, James Kahn, Ed Asner, Bob Newhart, Mary Stephen Bergen. Zoe Deschanel, Peter Dinkage, Fazian Love, Amy Sedaris, you know what I mean? Another classic. At number eight is the Royal Opera, Opera? Royal Opera House's The Nutcracker. One of those operas in the cinema business, you know what I mean? So that means at number seven... We have got Animal, yes. This is from Sandeep Reddy Vanga, written by Panya Reddy Vanga, uh, Saraba Gupta, and Suresh Banduru. Starring Ranbir Kapoor, Anil Kapoor, Bobby Delu, Rashmika, Madanana. Okay, so that's that. At number six. Yeah, number six, we've got Saltburn. Right? This is the new joint from Emerald Pharrell. We looked at it at the 67th BFI London Film Festival. It's starring Barry Keong, Jacob Elordi. Archie Madequi, Sadie Soverlo, Richie Cotterell, Mike Kent, Will Gibson, Tasha Lim. So, at number five, yeah, I think we're at number five, right? Yeah, it is Napoleon, right? Ridley Scott's new epic which is written by David Scrapper, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, Ludwig Sagner, Rupert Everett, Mark Boona, Ben Mills, Catherine Walker, Ian McNeese, Taha Rahim. At number four is Wish, Disney's new animation, directed by Fawn Versenfrun and Chris Buck, Chris Buck also co-writes with Alison Moore and Jennifer Lee. 
We've got a voice cast of Chris Pine, Evan Peters, Alan Tudor, Arena de Boss, Harvey Gillion, Victor Garber. At number three this week is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Snowbirds and Snooks. Francis Lawrence directs once again. Susan Collins, Michael Ant, and Michael Leslie are on the writing duties. Rachel Ziegler, Tom Blythe, Viola Davis, Dexter Soul Ansel, Rosa Gutzler, Clemens Schnick, Fonola Flanagan, All Star. So at number two this week, it's been tearing things up, people. It's Godzilla minus one. Yes. This is written and directed by Takashi Yamazaki. Right, um, and it's got a cast of uh, Ryusuke Kamiki, Minami Hamaba, Yuki Yamada, um, Montika Aoki. So it means our number one film this week, right? It is Wonka. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, it's not surprising, right? This is the new one from Paul King, who co-wrote with Simon Farnaby. It stars Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Coleman, Hugh Grant, Patterson Joseph, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, Keegan-Michael Kay, Matthew Byington, Simon Farnaby, Matt Lucas, Jim Carter, Tom Davis, and more. So that is the UK top 10. It's time to get into this week's films, people. So let's go. We will start things off this week, people, with a little jump back in time. We're looking at Violent Night. Okay, people. So we just took a little trip back to Christmas time 2022, right? For Violent Night. This is directed by Tommy Wakola, written by Pat Casey and Josh Miller. The film is produced by Kelly McCormack, David Leitch, Guy Danella. It is co-produced by Paul Barry and Brandy Hagborg. Executive produced by Matt Aki, Mark S. Fisher. And it's associate produced by Scott Watson. Dominic Lewis handles the music. Matthew Weston, cinematography. Jim Page edits the piece. Lindsey Graham and Mary the New took care of casting. Roger Fires production design. Kazina Markova. 
art direction. Our set decoration is Tamara Gaffer. Costume design is Laura DeLuca. Right now, our cast. Right. Santa, Father Christmas, Mr. Claus. He's played by David Harbour. Right. We've got um, Jason, played by Alex Hassel. His wife, um, who is Linda, is played by Alexis Lauder. His daughter, Trudy, is played by Lee Brad Brady. Right. His sister, Alva, is played by Edie Patterson. Her husband, Morgan Steele, is played by Cam Gigandet. I think that's how you say it, right? Um, and their son, Bert, is played by Alexander Elliott. Alva and Jason's grandmother, Gertrude, is played by Beverly D'Angelo. Then there is Scrooge, played by John Legano. Um, we've got Gingerbread, played by Andre Erickson. Krampus, played by Brendan Fletcher. Uh, Candy Cane, played by Mitra Suri. Frosty, played by Can Aiden. Tinsel, played by Fong Jiang. Jingle, played by Finn McHager-Higgins. Peppermint, played by Rowley Clements-Willis. Sugar Plum, played by Stephanie Sai. Techie, played by Charlie Woon. Um... Dum, dum, dum. Who else do we have? Uh, Commander Fulp, played by Mike Dupood. Um, the UK Barkeeper, played by Marina Stevenson Kerr. Right, the Mall Santa, played by John B. Lowe. That's probably uh, our main group of people, right? You've got the security and kill squads, but yeah, that that's that's the main crew, right? Now, the gist of the story is this. When a team of mercenaries breaks into a wealthy family compound on Christmas Eve, taking everyone inside hostage, the team isn't prepared for a surprise combatant. Santa Claus is on the grounds, and he's about to show why this Nick is no saint. It's hammer time. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'd heard this was good, right? And it's um, made by uh, the John Wick crew. All right, well. The John Wick Studio production company, 87 North. And, yeah, I've enjoyed their stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I need to uh, I need to check it. So it just dropped on Now TV. So I was like, perfect. Boom. Let's, let's do it. And I've got to say, this is the kind of Christmas film 
I can get behind, right? This is it. Now, we start off in England, actually. He's in a pub getting drunk. You just see this Santa Claus sitting there. And then, uh, you know, this other, another one comes in. So it's just like, oh, okay. Like a lot of mall Santas, you know. This is over here, we've got, you know, shopping centers had them. Big department stores may have a Father Christmas. All right. So, you know, that's what you're kind of assuming this is. And like when everyone's talking to him, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Father Christmas, right? Oh, yeah, I've got to deliver presents tonight. Everyone just thinks he's drunks keeping to the stick. So, once he leaves there, now he's on his trips, right? So he goes to um, this mansion where Trudy and her family are staying. Like it's her grandma's place, you know? Because we see Jason um, and everyone travel there, right? At the, at the start. So we see them traveling there. Jason, Linda, Trudy, and you know it's not, it's not best, right? You can feel there's some tension in the car. You can tell that Linda doesn't particularly love going there, right? But the security guard, he's a decent, he's a decent dude, right? They like him. He, you know, Trudy really likes him. So we're like there. And the first thing that Jason's sister says to Linda is crazy. Right? It's crazy, which, you know, really sets the tone of everything. But, yeah, there's some weird shit going on, right? The grandma's dirty rich. So you know everyone's vying for shit. But, yeah, Father Christmas comes. But so do the mercenaries. And here, I, I think we've seen kind of films similar, right? But you're just, where is this going to go? And the thing I liked was that it's not as crazy as Nobody or John Wick, which is fine. You know, we don't need all that kind of stuff all the time. But it doesn't shy away from stuff. You know what I mean? Because usually when there's a little kid involved, they they hold it at a certain level. And so, yeah, then, you know, like she says, ask, and Father Christmas is like, hey, kid, come on. Right. So they're not being too outrageous. But the place has been home invaded. Right. These mercenaries are looking to murk everyone. So you thinking you're not pulling punches and they don't. And that was good. I was like, OK. Right. This is believable. I mean. It's not in the extent of, but, you know, you think if you're in that predicament, this is the kind of shit that I want people to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, I thought the acting was decent. Like, 
Lee Brady, she does a really nice job with Trudy, right? Because she's a young kid, right? Believes in Father Christmas, right? Wants her parents to sort things out. But she's, you know, she's a little disillusioned, a little scared. But she still believes. She still believes. She's like she's so she's just in home alone. So she's all psyched about that, which obviously plays into the film. But she can phase all of this stuff really well. You know what I mean? There's other there's been, you know, so many times kid actors, they're a bit wooden, right? Which I mean, it's a kid. You know what I mean? Like the hormones are all over the place. They haven't really developed as a, they haven't developed as a person. So for them to be able to do give crazy performances, you'd be like, I I get it. But some of them can. And Lee Brady does give us a really nice little performance here. Like everyone else, it's they're fun, right? Because it's, you know, it's a little over-the-top movie right, mercenaries, Father Chris, you know, but what they give us works for these characters, you know, works for these characters, so I enjoyed it, I enjoyed the, the fight scenes work, like the traps and all of that work, right, and some of the things that happen to bad guys, it's great, it's fun, what the there's two things that did irk me a little, I've got to say, and it's how two components of the story get resolved. Because I'm just like, all right, the two the, the things that were done, not cool. So how the fuck are you gonna, you know what I mean? And then resolving like because it's just you your argument had been this one thing and instead of which was said in the film it's just like oh instead of just result you went and did this right but then it's just like oh cool and you're just like wait doesn't really make any sense to what was said earlier you know, so I, there's these two things that were resolved too neatly for my liking. But everything else I was down for. The origin of Father Christmas, right? Or this iteration of Father Christmas was great, right? I like that. Because there was a bit and you just go, huh, What? what's up with that? Right? Don't tell me, right? Father Christmas was, you know, in, in, in a fucking neo-Nazi gang or something. But no, 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 no. There's something else there. And yeah, I like that. I thought, oh, interesting. I don't think I've ever seen it like that before, you know? So, yeah, like, Violent Night, right? It's in the title. It's a violent bloody night. You know, I I think there's bits which are meant to be funny. I didn't necessarily find this funny, right? I wasn't laughing, but I enjoyed, 
I enjoyed the story, and I, as I said, I enjoyed the fights, right? So it worked on that level. And I thought the Trudy element was handled very well. I thought it was sweet, and, uh, yeah, it was nice, right? Every, everything that was meant to be conveyed is conveyed. So, you know, it, it's a, it wasn't a bad film. Right, definitely a, the best Christmas film I've seen this year. Right, and I've seen a few now. What two, three? I think. I think it's been three. So this is the fourth, and yeah, not really a fan of any of them. The one Christmas film I really liked, which isn't, which is kind of like the pseudo Christmas film, right? Was Hellmark. Right? Hellmark was great. I really enjoyed it. That, that was a short film, you know? that That's a really good one, people. So I highly recommend you um, going, checking that one out. And we spoke with the uh, director. Um, it was a while ago. Oh my God, it was a while ago. So my memory is all over the place. Um, yeah, I feel we, we did that in like August or something, which is just, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like forever now, you know? Like, yo, how long ago was... I mean, that's a, that's just stupid, isn't it? Like, how long ago was August? I mean, well... We we know we <laughs> sometimes man I, I think I, I I talk before my um yeah my brain catches up but um yes <laughs> like go that that is probably my favorite Christmas thing this year actually but Violent Night is a close second. So, yes, I think if you liked the John Wicks and everything, you will like it, right? Um, oh, yes, so the director of um, Hellmark is Jesse Duquette, right? Jesse Duquette, it was for Fantasia, that's why we looked at it, it was during Fantasia, and it was the 10th of August, so uh, yes, but yeah, if you like John Wick, if you like Nobody, you'll like this, I feel, you know, if you're, you know, Christmas films, they can be good, but you know, I think you'll like this, Home Alone, you'll like this, so yeah, Violent Night, I would say, is worth giving a look. And it's especially if you're sick of all those saccharine Christmas films. So, yeah, give yourself a little bloody, a little hammer time. Give yourself a violent night. Now we go back to a few months earlier in the year. It's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Well, 
as it is just hit Disney Plus, I thought I would give Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny a check. Right. It is directed by James Mangold, who co-wrote the film with David Co-op, uh, John Henry and Jez Butterworth. The film was produced by bom, bom, bom. who produced we've got Frank Marshall, there's Kathleen Kennedy, Simon Emmanuel, and Zachariah Alui. It was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, George Lucas, co-produced by Candice Campos and Anthony Dixon. It's associate produced by Blake Simon and Nathan Woods. And it is line produced by Marco Valerio Puggini. John Williams took the reins on the music, while Fidon Papa Michael handled the cinematography. Andrew Buckland, Michael McCluster, and Dirk Westervelt edited the piece. Nina Gold was on casting. Adam Stockhausen, production design. Art direction, we have got Peter Dorm, Tim Dutton, Martin Foley, Oliver Goodyear, Kate Grimble, Charlotte Maline, Izona Rigu, Quinn Robinson, Ollie van der Vilgeverg, Jake Hall, Samuel Leek, Andrew Palmer, and Elika Scales. Tanya Boyd, Joe Graysmark, and Anna Pinnock took care of set decoration, while Joanna Johnson was on costume design. So this time around, our cast. Well, we have got Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is Helena, his niece. No, he's granddaughter. That's it. Niece is something different, isn't it? I believe. Uh, Ronaldo is played by Antonio Banderas. Marion is Karen Allen. Salah, John Reese Davis. Mason is played by Shanette Renee Wilson. Colonel Weber is played by Thomas Kretschmann, who, um, yeah. He leaves in another film we looked at this week. Basil Shaw plays Toby Jones. No, Toby Jones plays Basil Shaw. That's right. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, Boyd Holbrook is Kabar. Oliver Richards is Hawk. Teddy Kumar is played by Ethan Isador. Uh, Dr. Voller is played by Mads, Vickle, Mads Mickelson. Durkin, played by Martin McGonagall. Aziz Raham, is played by Alasa Fee. 
Um, we've got Archimedes, played by Nazir Nimarazia. Um, Mandy is played by Anna Francoloni. Do do do. Popeye is played by Antonio Irori. A young Helena is played by Holly Lawton. Professor Plimpton, played by Guy Paul. Fran, played by Harriet Slater. Uh, who else? Um, uh, Jabari, played by Ali Salah. Aliyah, played by Amara Khan. Uh, Professor Dona, played by Billy Postlewaite. I think that is our main group of people, I would probably say. So the gist of this film experienced the return of legendary hero legendary hero indiana jones in the fifth installment of his beloved swashbuckling series of films finding himself in a new era approaching retirement indy wrestles with fight fitting into a world that seems to have outgrown him but as the tentacles of an all too familiar evil return in the form of an old rival Indy must don his hat. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, apologies, people. Um, Indy must don his hat and pick up his whip once more to make sure an ancient and powerful artifact doesn't fall into the wrong hands. I mean, I would question <laughs> that opening statement right experience the return of legendary hero indiana jones in the fifth installment of his beloved swashbuckling series i think in all honesty most people look at that series as a trilogy i mean you look at it as a trilogy and you're happy at that anything after the last crusade you're just like Mm, I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> I, I don't believe anything else was made. That was it. Oh, listen, Crystal Maze was horrendous, right? That was so bad, so frigging bad. And I think a lot of people were just like, um, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not touching it i'm not going near it but there was word that this was better right that's what some people were saying i don't know if it was to be honest with you i don't know if you know this improved anything i i, I think it was the same quality, to be honest with you, right? Which, ah, uh, you, you want to love these things, right? You want to love these things, but uh, it, it, it's just, 
it seemed rather forced. You know, the, the story seemed, it didn't really feel necessary. You know what I mean? It, it just kind of seemed that they were really desperate to get this new one out there. So, you know, we're just like, all right, we're just going to run with this. And I don't know why. They felt like there was a lot of retreads, you know? A lot of retreads and call, you know, little callbacks and nods and winks. I mean, like, oh, remember when we did this before? You know? I remember, oh, when we had this thing. And do we need MacGuffins all the time? I don't think you do. I don't think it's necessary. If if you've got a cool story where something works fine, but I that this whole dial of destiny thing just ah dear oh dear dear oh dear oh dear. I really wanted to like this film. I really did. It wasn't coming in being like, I'm going to hate it, right? I only want the first few films. I don't, I'm, I'm going to just rah, despise this. No, that was never it. It was never it. Like, I just, ah, I really want to love everything I watch, you know what I mean? Just embrace it. Go in with an open mind and just be sucked into a wonderful story. That's what I wanted. But unfortunately, you, you just get this story, you know? It, so we get we start off with you know, Indy and Basil in the past. Now, one big thing with Basil Right at this point, Indy, you know, we've we've seen him do the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? He's done the Temple of Doom, probably the Last Crusade. So everyone knows the scrapes <laughs> that old Indiana gets into. So if you're sending anyone on a mission with him. It's not going to be an out-of-shape little dude who can't really do anything. You're going to send someone that can handle themselves in any kind of situation they may find themselves, right? So you're just like, why, why is Basil there? Like, what are we doing here? You know? So then, you know, we just get these fight sequences on trains and things like that. And it's fine. But we've seen it before. Right? We've seen, oh, walking to a carriage full of Nazi. Ah, oh, I'm not meant to be. Like, we've seen all of that before. We know there's no peril because it's the start of the film. So Indy ain't going to die. Right? We know that. So it, it just feels like this overly long sequence for no real reason. And there's a bit at the beginning with a bomb. And you got to say, if you're in a room like that, you're dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no survive. Like, what the fuck? There's no surviving that 
thing. No surviving it. Yeah, but this is a film of some ludicrous shit. Like, okay, we, we, we look at, he's retired. So he's probably, as a, he's definitely over 65. You know what I mean? You think in the film, he's retired, but he's, he's probably in his 70s, maybe 80s. Now, a one-punch knockout is its a stupid thing in films. It's something that is just, like, listen, we watch boxing, UFC, MMA. You know that a one-punch knockout is not an everyday occurrence. There's certain fighters with that just motherfucking steel in their hands, you know? But it's not every person. And there's people that can take a punch flush on the chin and they just walk forward. But in this, you've got Indiana Jones, 70, 80-year-old Indiana Jones knocking people out with one punch. You've got Helena knocking people out with one punch, right? But then they're both getting hit but staying conscious. They're not getting knocked out with a punch. You're just like, wait, what's happening here? If anyone's going to go out, it's going to be fucking Helena in Indiana, right? It's just weird. It's weird. It's stupid. We have um, this new character called, uh, oh, God, what's the little dude called again? Uh, Teddy. Teddy. Teddy feels like he's this film's short round. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, we need another adorable, cute little ethnic character, right? That's what it just seems like. There's, like, why is he there? You know, you, you've got friggin' Helena's little, he's Helena's sidekick, but you're just like, yeah, I mean, that's a weird situation. What, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, you have, we have the, this, this whole thing of characters and you think they're dead, right? We see something ridiculous happen. So it's just like, obviously they're dead. Oh, no, they're not. Right? That just all the time. It's like everyone is stupid because we have them do something. And you're just like, okay, well, the bad guys must know, right, what you're going to do. But then they're lollygagging, taking the time, not, you know, putting in place anything to counter what might be waiting for them. And then you have bad guys who have people dead to rights. But then they're like, no, actually, don't kill them. Bring them with us. Like, why would you? Why? Why would you bring them? Like, well, like, how is that helping? You know, this this film could technically have been over straight away. You know what I mean? But it's just like, actually, don't do that. Bring them with us. Oh, we need to do this. We need to do it. And you're just like, there's so much waiting, right? They're, they're going to... They've escaped, but then they stand and look back. And it's just like, why would you wouldn't do that? You would just keep them running. But you waiting, looking back, now they know where you are and now they're gonna fuck. Like, 
just so many things. There's a scene with a tuk-tuk. This tuk-tuk is, it's like it's made out of fucking Kevlar or something. It is, well, it's it's basically a Tesla Cybertruck. This is taking so many hits, so much damage, you know, turning on a penny, right? <laughs> it's got so much durability. You're just like, yeah, a tuk-tuk would have fallen apart. <laughs> Those things are not durable, right? They're cheap, they're rubbish. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not taking all of these hits, taking these shots, going over these bumps, going downstairs. It's not happening. It's not happening. Like, the acting, it, it just felt like everyone's going through the motions, right? They didn't feel like there was any heart in this film. That's a harsh thing to say. It's a harsh thing to say. I know, right? I understand that all of the people working on this film put their souls into making this film, right? It's not like they're looking to make a bad film. You know what I mean? But I think when your source material is just so flimflam, it, it makes it really hard to deliver something meaningful, you know? So it, it, we just get this thing that just pales in comparison to any of the first three films. You know, and then, you know, obviously, there's probably one of those first three that you think is the best, and then you've got your second and your third. But anyone's third film in that original trilogy is so far superior to this and its predecessor. It, 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 and that's a damn shame. We have these sequences, like the whole diving thing, where it's just like, why was this necessary? It's just like you're injecting something that doesn't really need to be there. And I'm talking about what happens in the water, right? Because you want some sort of peril. But again, it's not really going to be peril. You know? And... Like, you think this film's in the 60s, right? It's in the 60s because we see the whole, there's the whole moon thing. So binoculars in the 60s, not the best. <laughs> so the scene with the binoculars, I'm just rolling my motherfucking eyes, being like, that, that's, not, that's not a thing. That's, that wouldn't happen. What the fuck are we doing here? This is so silly. You know what I mean? It is like, yo, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? What just happened? And I, I will say, like, there's the, the last part of the film. Like, well, there's two bits to it, right? In that last third, where you've got the, the whole time thing. And I will say, right? The sentence, oh, the silver dragon is so played out. When you think of ancient times, there is so many myths. There's myths about condors. Remember mysterious cities of gold people? If you're cool, you will remember, right? 
Yes. <laughs> but there's so many like big flying things, birds, you know. So why do we always go to, oh, it's a big silver dragon. It is so played out, right? It's like when you have something in the future and someone goes forward in time and they're like, oh, where are the jetpacks? Right? It's just one of them throwaway statements that we're just like, we've heard that so many times. Can someone write something else, please? Can we? Right? And just that, that whole sequence, it's just, why? What what was the need? What was like this does it does nothing for the film, but there's so much that does nothing for the film. You know, it's just dull, right? You have a bit where you're meant to kind of have a belief of there's a, a peril, there's a threat, but before they show it and Teddy's reaction to it. We've already seen what's actually happened. So it's just like, you can't show that first bit. You know what I mean? You need to show what happens, Teddy's reaction, then show the thing, right? And be like, boom. I mean, not that anyone really thinks anything different, but it, it like it's just a pointless sequence. And then the very end of the film the very end. I mean, the love is, you know, age appropriate, but what the fuck? What was that? It, it was so limp. It, it was such a limp ending. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's just, I, I don't know what was happening there, right? It, it feels right. It what happened at that end must be what a girl feels like when a dude has spent all night telling her how he's gonna break her back, right? How he's gonna bust her out, right? I'm gonna be all up in your guts, baby. And then nothing, right? That micro motherfucker does nothing, right? That's the disappointment that chick has is the disappointment everyone must have watching that end of that film. Because you're just like, is, is that it? Oh. <laughs> I know. I know. It's harsh. I apologize, people. I know you put your blood and your tears and your heart into it. It just... You were let down with the script. You were let down with the script. And script guys, right? I know you thought you were writing a solid script, but there's way too much fan service, right? You, you, I know you're living, being like, oh, I love those first films and I want to write something similar. And I'm, oh, I want the mo um, similar moments of when that happened and blah, blah, blah. But that shit never really works. It never, you need to blaze your own path, right? You need to do new shit. And this felt like an advertisement for that, that we can't retread 
we got to do new things, you know? And I suppose it doesn't really help when everything looks so badly CGI'd, right? I can hardly see. And I even saw it was CGI'd. You know what I mean? So that's how fucking blatant it was, man. Yo, I mean, the, the most thankful thing is that this is the last time we see Indiana Jones. Because it would just be, to wheel that character out again would just be sad. It would be so sad. So I'm glad this is the last film. I'm, I'm just sad I had to watch it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is now on Disney+. Plus. If you don't have Disney+, Plus, you can get it anywhere you want. I'll say this. If you loved or just liked a crystal, the Crystal Skull, Dial of Destiny will work for you. That's all I can say, people. That's all I can say. <laughs> Hey, this one debuted at the um, BFI London Film Festival. It's now on Netflix. I am talking about Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Okay, people. So I wasn't able to see this during the 67th BFI London Film Festival, but it is now dropped to Netflix. I am talking about chicken run dawn of the nugget so this time it is directed by sam fell and written by carrie kilpatrick and john oaf harrell who directed who wrote the first film and they are joined by rachel tunard this time out the film is produced by Layla Hobart, uh, Stephen uh, Pegram. It is executive produced by Carla Shelley, Nick Park, Peter Lord, uh, though they co-directed the first film, Carrie Kilpatrick, Paul Cooley, Sam Fell, co-executive executive producing, we have Sean Clark, Sarah Cox, Alicia Gold, Kerry Locke, and David Sponkston. Uh, co-producing is Zoe Vara Stunt. And do, 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 consultant producing is Richard Beek. Harry Gregson Williams handled the music. Charles Coping, cinematography. Stephen Perkins edited the piece. Lucy Rands was on casting duties. Production design is handled by Darren Dubicki. Art direction is Richard Edmonds, Sarah Holdren, and Matt Perry. Beth Jones and Gary J. Losh handled set decoration. And our voice cast. Well, Ginger is voiced by Fandy Newton. 
Rocky is voiced by Zachary Levi. Their daughter, Molly, is voiced by Bella Ramsey. Bunty is voiced by Amelda Staunton. Mac, Lynn Ferguson. Uh, Fowler is now voiced by David Bradley. Babs, Jane Horrocks. Nick is Ramesh Raghunathan. Uh, his buddy Fletcher is voiced by Daniel Mays. Then there's Frizzle, voiced by Josie Sedwick Davis. Uh, Reginald Smith is voiced by Peter Serafonwicks. Dr. Fry is voiced by Nick Mohad. And Mrs. Tweedy is once again voiced by Miranda Richardson. So the gist of this one is, having pulled off a death-defying escape from Tweedy's farm, Ginger has finally found a dream, a peaceful island sanctuary for the whole flock, far from the dangers of the human world. When she and Rocky hatch a little girl called Molly, Ginger's happy ending seems complete. But back on the mainland, the whole of chicken kind faces a new and terrible threat. For Ginger and her team, even if it means putting their own hard-worn freedom at risk, this time, they're breaking in. Okay, so, yeah. Now, I'll say this off the bat, right? This, I imagine, this will work very well with a young kid. You know, I, I, I thought... It's probably got all those things that they'll enjoy. Some silly jokes, uh, you know, just go a lot of goofiness. All right, and clay animation is always kind of fun. You know what I mean? I mean, watching this, there's some things that kind of... I mean, the thing that really just jumped out to me at first was, okay... You've got all of these chickens living on this island. And then there's Rocky. So essentially, this is, they're all Polly. Chicken a Polly. You know what I mean? And not a parrot, right? <laughs> because there's only one rooster in this roost. You know what I mean? So uh, Rocky gonna be like, yo... <laughs> so yeah, that. But then you're just thinking, chickens don't swim. So how the fuck they get to an island? <laughs> but yeah, there's a, you know they're making wine. It's just like okay, chicken drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> you're but again like a kid is just gonna watch this and be like ah yeah look they're having fun they're doing shit <laughs> but i'm just like yo what, what what are these chicken doing what's happening here you know it, it's it you know it follows that i think the storyline is very i mean we're not really seeing new things Right, there was something else 
which has completely I can't remember what the fuck it was, but there, you know, there was two films. One of them was a breakout, and the other one was a break-in. You know, so the idea essentially isn't new, but you know, it's fine, right? We see them thinking of all different ways to get into the spot and all of that. Yeah, it is kind of fun. The whole collar thing. And wondering, oh, what, what's this chicken paradise? What is it? Like, you know there's something nefarious, but it's just like, what is it going to be? It did feel, right, because this film, it is, how long is it? It's a, just under two hours, I believe. It is, uh, oh, no, well, hmm, it's 98 minutes. It, you kind of feel that it could be shorter, right? The whole breaking part, it could have been shorter. It, it felt like it was it was stretched out. There's like stuff that did we need this sequence? You know what I mean? So there was a lot of that, and you know, the, look, it's been 23 years since the original. So I do not remember Chicken World a, a whole heap well, like the minutiae of it. But it seems that Rocky is a lot dumber in this one. Now, maybe I'm forgetting, you know, a lot of the shit from the first. But yeah, he seems a lot dumber, which are just like, okay, like, why? You know, there's, there's, there's a few things, and you're like, come on now. Is, is someone really going to do this shit, right? But, yeah, it's going to work for kids. You know, some of the things that I'm, I, you know, I look at with this film and just think, I don't really know about that. You know, story-wise, does this really make any sense? Or it's a bit of a stretch. You know, we're, we're doing some weird things here. like. Yeah, a kid's going to like. There was some funny, like, you think odd choices for a little kid, but when you hear them as an adult, you know, an adult from, of a certain age, you'll be like, oh, shit. There's a bit when Ginger is just like, I am H-A-P-P-Y, right? Which then just reminded me of um, that TV show, Set in the Hospital, which has the title of it has completely slipped my mind, but yeah, it's from the eighties. Right. And, and it reminds me of that because that was the theme song for that. But it's just like a little kid's going to be like, yo, what? You know what I mean? But the, yeah, there was a few things like that, which seemed to be thrown in maybe for an older audience or, you know, the writers are just of an age where they're just thinking, Oh, this will be good. Where it's just like, all right, are you thinking of your audience? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it's it's okay. I I don't I didn't really think it necessarily had the the magic of the first film, you know? But it's fine. Right? I think a kid will enjoy it a lot more. I didn't necessarily think it's needed. And it does feel that it has been set up 
for more if it's a big success, you know? So, yeah, if this one is gangbusters, it's been kind of set up for a third film. If not, you know, it's it ends like, okay, you can be like, all right, they have more adventures. But, yeah, it, it, it's kind of crouched in that way. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this is received, you know? Because, yeah, it just felt like it's okay. The voice acting is fine. You know, there's this whole controversy about the, the recasting, which I don't know if you can really call it ageism when Fandy Newton is only a few years younger than Julia Swahali, right? So it's not like they went for a 20-year-old. <laughs> You know, the Mel Gibson one is the, the weirdest one for me, just because it seems like Mel's making films again, you know, and people have, you know, he's paid his penance, as it were. So that one seemed a bit odd, because the whole craziness was like, again, probably 20 years ago, something like that, right? But it's all fine. The voice acting was fine. You know, it it wasn't groundbreaking, but it wasn't dreadful. So, yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing with this, and it just any Hardman film, is the animation, which is always great. You know, so that's the thing that really makes you smile. The story, meh, all the other stuff is kind of by the by. So, yeah, I think if you've got young kids... I think they're going to like Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. But, yeah, older people, you know, they, they, they might find it okay, right? It will pass the time. But I don't know if it's going to set the world on fire for an older person. But a young kid, I think they'll love it. There's been a lot of anticipation about this one, people. It's finally dropped. I'm talking Rebel Moon, part one. Okay, people, so it's here. Dropped at 3 a.m., you know what I mean? So, you know, had to get it done. I'm talking about Rebel moon right hmm what's the um child a, a child of fire yes that's part one it's a two-part extravaganza an epic and it is from the brainchild of zach snyder he came up with the story and he directs the film. He also co-wrote with, you know what I mean? His buddies, right? He Who he writes a lot of stuff with, Kirk Jonstad and Shea Hatton. Uh, Snyder also um, produces with his wife, Deborah Snyder, uh, Eric Newman. Uh, it's executive produced by Sarah Bowen. Um, oh, Wesley Collar also produces. Yes, yeah, so Sarah Bowen executive produces, along with Shay Hatton, 
Kirk Johnstad and Bergen Swanson. It is co-produced by Misha Bokwowski and associate produced by Teresa Kelly. So Tom Holkenberg handles the music, Zack Snyder, cinematography, Dottie Dawn edits the piece, where Kirsty Coulson is on casting duties. Stefan DeCant and Stephen Swain are on production design. Art direction, we have Eric Sundahl, Liz Sheria, Julian Pugnia, Jason Perrine, Desma Murray, Brett McKenzie, Angren Lee, Kevin Ishokaya, Sandra Doyle, Carmola, Virginia Berg, and Jennifer Bash. Claudia Bomfi is set decoration. Costume design is Stephanie Portnoy Porter. Now, this has a very illustrious cast, right? We have got playing Cora, Sophia Botello. Um, there's Atticus Noble, played by Ed Screen. Kai, played by Charlie Hummon. Uh, we have Titus, played by Dijmon Hunsu. Right. Gunnar is played by Michael Husiman. Um, Nemesis, played by Bay Dona. Bloodaxe is Ray Fisher. Jimmy, the robot, is voiced by Anthony Hopkins. Tarek is played by Shaz Nair. While Balazarus is played by Frey Fee. Um, Oh, Bladax's sister, Deborah, is played by Cleopatra Coleman. Den is played by Stuart Martin. Hagen is played by Igvar Singerson. Cassius is played by Alfonso Herrera. The King is played by Carrie Eels. The Queen, Rianne Rees. Their daughter, Princess Isa, is played by Stella Grace Fitzgerald. Sindri is played by Corey Stoll. Um, Sam, Charlotte Maggie. Aris, played by Sky Yang. Hamada, Jenna Malone. We have Milas, played by E. Duffy. Uh, Marcus, played by Greg Creek. Thanius, Brandon Uritt, Hickman, played by Ray Porter, King Ledvikia, played by Tony Amendola, well, voiced by Tony Amendola, Dash Teeth, played by Dominic Burgess. <coughs> oh, sorry, people. Um, oh, the, the Jimmy as the robot is handled by Dustin Kithammer. Uh, a young version of Corey is played by Elizabeth Martinez. 
Beretta, played by Josephine Lingard, Breen, Melissa Hunt, Sif, Colby Lemo, Astrid, Sees Marie, Torvid, played by Thomas Ostrom, Hagha, played by Four Kane, Runa, played by Savannah Jan, Ig, played by Danielle Bergio. And I mean, there's a host of people. I think we probably will end there. Right? The gist of the film is this. Okay, when a peaceful settlement on the edge of a distant moon finds itself threatened by armies of a tyrannical ruling force, Cora, a mysterious stranger living among the villagers, becomes their best hope for survival, tasked with finding trained fighters who will unite with her in making an impossible stand against the mother world. Cora assembles a small band of warriors, outsiders, insurgents, peasants and orphans of war from different worlds who share a common need for redemption and revenge as the shadow of an empire as a shadow of an entire realm bears down on the unlikeliest of moons a battle over the fate of a galaxy is waged and in the process a new army of heroes is formed dum dum da da dum dum Right. So, you know, the the law around this is Zack Snyder pitched an idea to Star Wars. He went to Lucasfilm, spoke to Kathleen Kennedy, you know what I mean? Came with the ideas. It was a darker, you know. Zack Snydery Star Wars take, but it happened just as Lucasfilm was taken over by Marvel, no, by Walt Disney, should I say? So it 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 didn't work, didn't work out. He then, I believe, took the idea to Warner Brothers again. That didn't work. So he eventually hooked up with um. Netflix, right? He did the Army of um, Army of the Dead, I think it was, and then the, you know Thieves of the Dead. So those were big successes, and um, yeah, they agreed to do Rebel Moon, right? So that's what we're getting—the first part of his sci-fi opus, right? Now. I've already seen a lot about this film, you know what I mean? Like, from the screenings, on from the, the 15th, when it was in the cinemas, the press screenings, all of that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, we did not get a press screening on this one. Netflix, Netflix shows no love, man. Ah, hopefully that will change in 2024, right? But, yeah, there's a lot of people hating on this film. Oh my days. Hating on this film. So, you know, I go into these things with an open mind, right? I, I want to like it because, look, this is two hours and 15 minutes. You don't want to waste your time. You know what I mean? When you watch these things. So essentially everything you watch, you want to enjoy. And yeah, 
like I heard people talking about the story makes no sense. I've got to say, the story makes perfect sense. There's no issue with the story other than you pretty much can see what's happening. Right? There's no surprises here, right? I, I, I knew where this story was going, the twists, the turns, all of that jazz. You, you know what it's going to be. I think people have said it's a Star Wars clone. <sighs> Not really. It, it just follows the traditional sci-fi tropes. You know, I wouldn't say there was things particularly in Star Wars which are like, oh, yes, no, you know. There's a lot of stuff in Star Wars that was taken from sci-fi books that had come before. That wasn't crazy original. You just had moments that worked so well. You know, Darth Vader being Luke's dad. You know, Leia being his sister, even though he lipses her up in the first film. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a load of things that are like, oh, shit. And they work, right? But not all of those things are new things, right? They're not, oh, Star Wars made them first. No, they're, they're sci-fi tropes that you found in books that came out a long time before Star Wars, people. So watching Rebel Moon, part one, I'm like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it's just like this rip-off of Star Wars. You know, there's some similar themes for sure. You know, it's set in space. There's rebels. There's an empire. Yeah, there's all of that stuff. But there's that stuff in, like, foundation. You know what I mean? Which is, yeah, so good, right? So, yeah, it, it, it's just doing its thing. Like, the... I think a big thing with this film is there's a director's cut. We know there's a director's cut. It's got, I think, about an hour's worth of extra stuff. Right? So it does make this one difficult because there's a lot of things with part one which you might go, ah, you know, an issue was that we don't really get any depth on the characters other than Cora, right? We get a bit on her, but background, but not really emotion. So, there, you know, there could be, that would have worked, right? A bit more on these characters. Why? Why are they there? You know, why are they there? But with something like that, you kind of think, okay, I imagine a lot of that stuff will be in the, you know, director's cut. If you've taken an hour out, yeah, I bet there's a load of that stuff there. We do kind of run into that game where um, things work out real well. Right, everyone's in in the right spot, you know. They oh, they're looking for information. Oh, and that information is there. 
they go somewhere else and they get this and they go there and they get that. And, oh, we need to hurry before the bad guy. The bad guys are here? How are they here? Right, it's, there's a load of that. There's a load of that. And you, you have these people that are supposedly good at fighting, good at war. But there's no contingency plans, right? There's no, yo, we better do this to throw them off our path. Because they probably know where we're going to go. None of that, right? No looking at a situation and going, does this look legit? Is everything okay? Hmm. Right? There's none of that, right? So you, you are scratching your head a bit like, okay, these people that are meant to be minds have walked into so many <laughs> situations. It's insane. You know, like no one is a good shot. No one's a good shot. Other than the robot, no one's a good shot, right? And we've got heat lasers firing all over the shop. So you're just like, wait, how is anyone avoiding these? Like, that's the, that's the kind of crazy thing that, that that's happening, you know? Like, as a shot, will kill one person but not quite somewhere it's just all of that kind of jam you feel me so there is a lot of this going on you know and i think there's that thing about in the justice league film right where you you have was it the i feel it's a justice league um hmm i think so when basically we get introduced to all of those um all the cat like wonder woman you know when bruce wayne's talking to Catwoman, and they're basically looking at the screen and it's like boom 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 we do no uh, well actually there is a scene kind of like that towards the end on the dock right but when we're introduced to all the characters, it's just like these moments a lot of time, which kind of show them off, right? You, so you can definitely feel that those bits do feel a bit staged. And it does look crazy with the the um, CGI. Like, you know, you're, you're watching them on a planet, supposedly. But you're just like, oh, the background does not look <laughs> like this. This clearly is on a soundstage somewhere. You know, there is that. There is that. But I didn't mind it, to be honest with you. I didn't mind it. It, it was fine, right? It's not one of those, it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's a film in this iteration that I'm going back to time and time again. You know, like I've done with Rogue One, Empire, you know what I mean? The, just the original trilogy, right? Gone back to them. Lord of the Rings, go back to that all the time. It's not one of those films. Now, the director's cut may be a different thing. But in this, not quite. But I don't feel like I wasted my time. It was fine. You know what I mean? It was something, it passed the time, got some action in, right? Yes, yeah, a little corny, you know? There is definitely 
dialogue where you're like, no one talks like that. No one, like she's talking to this old dude that's kind of like her dad, but not really her dad. But basically he's just like, oh, did you get fucked tonight? Oh, you should, you should date him. I heard he wants to fuck you. But he might want to wife you as well. So that's all right, right? <laughs> yeah, you're just thinking, no, obviously it wasn't, that wasn't verbatim, people. Don't quote me. But it's essentially that's what was getting said. And you're just like, yeah, no one's having this conversation, man. <laughs> no one's having this conversation with their dad. You feel me? <laughs> that was queer. And when you look at their living situation, yeah, she's got a curtain that goes around her bed. But it was see-through. <laughs> that curtain was see-through. So you're just like, okay. Wait, is he just like perving on her all night? What's happening? What's, what's going on? Everyone's only got one set of clothes too. That's the thing, right? Now, you see it a lot in cartoons, right? No, the clothes don't change. You kind of get it, right? They're like, oh, we got to take so much time to render and do and blah, blah, blah. Fine, I'll give you a pass. In a film, you can have more than one set of gums. You can have more than one set of gums, people. Like, what is happening with that? You know what I mean? What's happening with that? <laughs> Get more clothes, right? Hopefully in part two, people have more sets of clothes, you know? And they're not telling their business to everyone. There's no secrets. They supposedly they're on these missions to acquire knowledge, get things, blah, blah, blah. But it's just walking into bars and be like, I'm looking for, or, or you want to know my history? This is what happened to me. I not only just met you just a second ago, but I feel like I can tell you everything. You know, he's just like, wait, what, what, huh? What? And when you want something, you just have to shout. You have to shout. Your argument is trash, right? Because it's just like, just because they got grain doesn't indebt them. Because that wasn't the thing that started all of this off. The thing that started it off was someone trying to broker a deal that was just dumb. That's what happened. It's not on them. <laughs> you will know what I see when you watch it, right? But yeah, listen. Part one, it's out now. As I said, dropped at 3 a.m., you know, awkward time, but it was all good. Part two, the Scar Giver will be dropping on the, I think it's the 19th of April, right? Next year, 2024, people, that's it, right? So, um, yeah. We get that. I think June part two might be dropping around the same time. I know which one I'm looking forward to the most, but I'm hoping in part two that we get more, a little bit more substance, right? Well, I'm also see. hopefully the director's cuts come out close together. Because it would be good to be able to watch those back to back, right? It, if they can bring out the director's cut of part two at the same time, that will be the best. 
there's I, I'd like to get a proper judgment on these. But as I said, it's not breaking any ground here. Right? It's not setting the world on fire. There will be no awards won. You know, the performances were fine, but just perfunctory. There was nothing just like, yo, which is funny, right? Because I remember Anthony Hopkins talking about his roles in four going, oh, I mean, they didn't allow me to. I only want things that allow me to really flex. Yeah. So Jimmy the Robot was that role. <laughs> now, I will say, maybe didn't really say that. Because the way shit gets reported by the press is insane, right? They lie so much. So maybe he did not say that. But essentially, yeah, none of the roles are really crazy in this iteration, right? It may all change in the director's cut. So it'll be interesting to see what Scargiver does. You know, how does it flesh this out? How does it continue this story because the end of this I hated so much so much like that little bit that tag at the end oh I hated that because the big thing is if that is the case Cora should know right she should know that this shit is you know what I mean so that was a thing but Yes, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, is now streaming on Netflix. If you've got two and a quarter hours free, you just want some action, you know what I mean, some lightweight fun, then I think this will work. It's not as, it's definitely not as nuanced, polished, or as smart as foundation, and I feel foundation is probably a real close example of what this is, right? When we think of empires, you think of people in a village, uprisings, all of that stuff. Season one foundation is, if you hate foundation, I don't think you're like Rebel Moon. If you love foundation, I think you'll get on with Rebel Moon. Obviously, it's not to the same level, but it's got some similar themes. You know what I mean? And yeah, if you just like sci-fi, you might want to give it a flop. So yeah, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire on Netflix. Just my thoughts, baby. Just my thoughts. And we will end with... The pod generation that's just dropping soon, thanks to Lionsgate. Okay, so people, thanks to my girl Amy at Lionsgate UK. I got the opportunity to check out um, the pod generation. This is the new film from Sophie... Barfez, right? She wrote and directed it. It's actually her first film in nine years, 
You know, she did Madame Bovary in 2014. So, yeah, if you've been waiting for the next one, here it is. Okay. So, the film is produced by uh, Nadia Kamalici, uh, Genevieve Lemal, Martin Metz, and Jan Zenu. It's executive produced by Sarah Woodhatch, Herb Ruet, Adrian Polowitsky, Paul Nelson, Benamin Minku, Nessa McGill, Jamie Matios Tick. Nathaniel Kamitz, uh, Sierra Garcia, em Emily Amelia Clark, David Ben Sadun, and Sophie Buffis. It is co-produced by Valerie Berlmont. Jean Francis Camilleri, uh, Tangai Dekeske, Philippe Lugi, Geraldine Ohana, Raphael Pochette, and Oliver Ruskill. It's line produced by Sabine Schneck. And boom, yep, and that's it. Ever Gwenny Galperine and Saka Galperine handled the music. Adri Pash was on cinematography. Oliver Bug Coot and Ron Patan edits the piece. Dixie Chassis, Celine Dewell, Nicholas Ronchi, and Matthias Sorbon uh, were on casting duties. Production dying is from Clement Price Thomas, while Stephen Rubens is on art direction. Set decoration is Marion Mikul and Lucas Tanji. While Emmanuel Jokovonski was on costume design. So, our cast. We have got Rachel Novi, played by Amelia Clark. Her husband, Alvi, is played by Chitwell Etifor. Um, her, Rachel's best friend, I think. Probably Alice is played by Vinette Robinson. Um, there's Josh played by Benedict Lansbert Noon. Uh, Alice's HR director played by Aslin Farrell. Uh, who else do we have? 
Ben is played by Gel Debut. Um, the nurse that Rachel and Albie always um, deal with is played by Anne-Marie Agboji. Rachel's father is played by James Gentile. Her mother is played by Mylene D'Anjou. Um, there's Stephen, played by Ken Samuels. Um, Anna, played by Jade Wheeler. Peter, played by Matthias Van der Sand Bukazun. Vera, played by Michelle Zutz-Scully. Valerie is played by Jennifer Smith Ferrier. Um... And that is probably all the, like, the main cast that we see, I would probably say. So the gist of the film is this. Set in the very near future. Sorry. Set in the very near future world where AI is all the rage. And technology has trumped nature in nearly every aspect of life. The pod generation follows Rachel and Alfie, a New York couple who are ready to start a family. As a rising tech company executive, Rachel lands a coveted spot at the womb center, which offers couples the opportunity to share pregnancy on a more equal footing by the way of mobile artificial wombs or pods. Alvi, a botanist and devoted purist about the natural environment, has doubts, but his love for Rachel prompts him to take a leap of faith. And so begins the wild ride on their tech-paid path to parenthood. So, um, yes, that's... Uh, that's the gist of things, I would say, you, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that, you know, Pegasus created the pods for a more equal footing in pregnancy. It like in that way, I, I think it's more of a, you know, it kind of gives women the opportunity to continue their careers right, without having to take time off, and it creates a more equal footing on that basis. That's what it kind of seemed more about. But it's always an interesting one when you have a film and it's like set in the future, but you think, okay, where, you know, and it's like in the near, in the mere decent, near the, oh, like in the near future, yes, let's just say that, right? Because it, uh, well, it allows a low budget film to be sci-fi without having to kind of invent all this crazy tech and use mad effects and all of this kind of stuff. And a lot of the, the stuff shown here is stuff that is, has been, or in its 
in its early implementation implementation days at the moment right like they they were leaning heavily on 3d printing which you know you can 3d print a lot of stuff here i don't i mean i know they 3d print some foods but it's not on a uh, commercial um tilt yet but it seems in this future yeah they're they're 3d printing like he 3d printed some toast it looked weird it it didn't look like toast it, 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 it yeah it looked odd i don't know but it was just different things like that which is always interesting the plants you can buy units that grow all the herbs and stuff inside like those like you know modern futuristic type greenhouses that's a thing you know what i mean so all of that is interesting but what is really interesting is the i think it's rachel and alvi's approach to this how alvi as mentioned right he's Bottomist, so he's all about the natural world. And Rachel, ain't, she likes the idea of using the womb center because, you know, she's just got a promotion at work and he, she doesn't have to take time off. She doesn't have to kind of fuck up her body. And you get the sense that that is the kind of thing maybe fuck up the body is a bit strong, you know what I mean? But I think it sounds to her like it's this easier route. And not that it's just like, oh, I can't be bought. But like, you know, normal pregnancy takes a toll, right? Takes a toll. You have to take time of work, you know, your body changes, just all of those things. And it can be it must sound mad daunting, right? So if you could circumvent that, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I can understand why people would be like, you know what, let's do this, right? But yeah, they don't quite agree on it. But as, as mentioned, Alfie loves Rachel and he decides to go ahead. And then it's kind of, the film looks at how this situation can influence the way this couple evolve and grow and move forward with the pregnancy, which was, is interesting, right? It, it was interesting. And I think you can, you can see how these changes could happen. You know what I mean? I think all of that, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I can see that. Like, I think the film is interesting. I did enjoy it. But here's the thing, right? It's it's interesting. It's good. The acting is good. All of that stuff. It's just a little simple, though. Right? Because... We have, you know, people's opinions change and, you know, we're looking at this situation and everything like that. But it is a bit kind of black and white. 
right? It's either you're down for this or you're down for this. There's not kind of like, there's when Alvi's like, I don't like the pod idea. Now he's eating 3D po 3D printed toast, right? Consuming a load of 3D stuff, right? He's using AI all the time, right? They've basically got like Siri, Alexa type, you know, things playing and interacting with them. Like the therapist is AI, right? So you don't get him going. I mean. I, I get it. We use AI for this and this, and we're doing this. So I kind of get it, but I'm, it's, oh, I'm just trying to get my head around. It's just like, don't like it. No, don't want it. Don't like it. It's not natural, you know? And I just think there would be more to that story, right? We just don't explore that. And then as we hit that, you know, second half of the film, again, like some of the arguments are very black and white. So it would have been nice to get a little bit more nuance. Or even if they're like, um, you know what, I like AI for this, not for that. Or, you know, because, I mean, Alvi is a bit against the AI therapist, but again, he is using AI around the house all the time. So, yeah, a, a little grey would have been nice, right? A little kind of, I mean, AI's cool for this, I don't know about that, I like this, but... Mm, what about that would have been good, you know, just to see that aspect of things. But when you, you know, if you're just looking at a face value, if you're not thinking too tough, yeah, as I say, I think it's enjoyable. The ending, mm, kind of feel that there's consequences that you need to see play out, you know, there is a bit of that, and I mean, just the, 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 the last few minutes of the film, it did seem a little bit too easy, you know, a little bit too easy, you know what I mean, like, it's just, it, you could have gone mad dark with it, Right, which would I feel would have made more sense, would have made more sense, and no one's reading contracts, right? That should be a big part of this. Read a motherfucking contract, people. Don't just sign willy-nilly all over the shop because who knows what will happen. That 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 that's the big takeaway here. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's the big takeaway, son. Sign read a fucking contract before you sign it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I did think it was interesting. I, th I think it's it's worth a watch. I think if you like stuff like Encounter or Batteries Not Included, you know what I mean? I think this one could work for you. Um, Recently, oh God, I know it changed its name. 
Ah, God damn. I know the film changed its name. We looked at it during, um, I want to say it was Dancing with Film. Dancing, yeah, I think, the, I was going to say Dancing with Wolves, but no, that, that's that's not it. I, yes, I want to say it, it was during Dancing with Wolves, and we spoke to um uh, the writer Adam, oh, I think it's Sabelle. I might be wrong. Fuck, what was the name of Adam's film? It was like Alien something, I figure, I feel. Hmm. But yes, I mean, it is kind of similar to that type of thing. I, I would say the way that the, the sci-fi is um, handled, it is definitely, I would definitely check it out, right? So, UK. You can uh, buy it from the 26th of December. Yes, Boxing Day. You'll be able to purchase it on all your favorite VODs, right? Now, on the 1st of January, it becomes available to rent, right? So wherever you rent movies you will be able to pick this one up. So, uh, yeah. Now, if you're in the US, I believe you can already rent and buy it. So, you know, all, all the spots, Amazon, and, and, and it's just, yeah, wherever you go, you will be able to uh, find that one. So, yeah, it depends what country you're in, people. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, the pod generation, I believe it is worth a look. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, see what you um, fancy, what you want to do. But, yeah, I don't think you would will really go too wrong with um, a little bit of... Uh, you know, lo-fi sci-fi in your life because yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting, man. It's definitely interesting. And uh oh, so the film was I think it was the warm season. Mm. I think it was the warm season. But, God, it was such a while ago, man. I, I could very well be wrong. <laughs> My memory isn't what it used to be. I ain't going to lie, you know. But, um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, people. When you listen to the podcast for this long, you've been, uh, you know what I mean, doing your thing. So go check that out. But, yes, the pod generation 26th of December, 1st of January. There you go. Okay, people. So we're coming to a close on another episode. Before we do, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of food. World of food? World of film. <laughs> 
I'm not quite sure why, but Vertical has picked up the US rights to um, Pool Man. This is the feature directorial debut from Chris Pine. So it's going to be dropping in 2024. <sighs> if you want to know what it's like, go check out our coverage of the 67th BFI London Film Festival. <laughs> Okay, so if you're a fan of the Orphan films, um, you will be happy to hear that William Brent Ball has got a third installment planned. <laughs> yes. Um, and talking about other films, right, we've got some release information. So, um, Wyatt Russell has um, revealed recently that Thunderbolts should start filming in March or April next year. <laughs> I mean, it was going to be at some point, right? Um, another film um, that's getting ready to shoot. This is the sequel to Cliffhanger, right? Yeah, 93. I don't know why. I have no clue why. But we're getting a sequel to Cliffhanger. It's going to go into production the summer of next year, shooting in Europe. So let's see what Jean Francis Rickett does with this one. Now, man, Amazon have been throwing around a lot of cheddar lately, right? You know, they got the Lord of the Rings franchise. They got the Wheel of Time franchise. So we know there's a season two coming. No, season two has just aired, right? There's doing a season three. And they've got some films, right? There's, um, oh, God, what's that first film? It's The White Tower. So that one's coming. Um. And then they're also doing one called The Age of Legends. Yes. So this is going to be directed by Carrie Scogland. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, and it, unlike the uh, the White Tower, this one is live action. Because Live Tower is animation. You know what I mean? So, um, yes, that's coming. Like The White Tower... It is going to be written by Zach Stentz. So, uh, yeah, we will see what happens, right? So, it sets several millennia before the timeline of the books and will chart the emergence of the Dark One when the world descended into darkness and war. Hmm. Hmm. So, yes, supposedly it's going to touch on the corrosive nature of power and pride as seen through the tragic tales of the forsaken. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, people, if you're fans of the books, I think there could be some gaps filled in for you. No um, word on when that will go into production, though, okay? Now, um, yeah, it looks like we could be getting a film 
about JFK. Yeah, James Gray is working on a new project, right? Um, and it's going to be charting uh, the World War II youthful days of JFK. Right? Film's going to be called May Day. And uh, yeah, so it's set while he was on patrol of the PT-109 in the South Pacific. Right, so um, yeah, the boat was targeted by a destroyer, um, and Kennedy had to um, lead his crew to one of the um, deserted Solomon Islands, but hide from the Japanese barges that were looking for prisoners of war. So yeah, I. I don't think we've had anything depicting those earlier days. So, uh, yeah, it could be, very well could be interesting. I think it's being written by Samuel Franco and Evan Kilgore, right? So, um, yeah, let's see what happens. Now, you might be thinking, what's Ridley Scott going to do after Napoleon? Well, it sounds like... He's got a new film called Bomb, mm-hmm. which will be at 20th Century. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a interesting story, right? They're saying it's a cross between Dog Day Afternoon and Speed, right? Following a guy called Frankie Ippolotti, a hostage negotiator called into duty the night before his wedding in London. A man who has parked himself in a construction site in Piccadilly Circus is standing on the newly uncovered, unexploded bomb from World War II. He tells local law enforcement he will only speak with Frankie, and this sets off a chain of events where Frankie is drawn into an overnight struggle to stop the bomber with whom he has a past. Boy. Okay, so Michael Proust will be um, producing the film along with Scott. Now, we have got a new film starring um, Ben Stiller. I forgot his name for a second. It's being directed by David Gordon Green. Um. The film is being written by Leland Douglas, and it is called Nutcrackers. Okay, right, so um, Stiller plays a Mike, a workaholic who must reluctantly travel to rural Ohio to look after his four rambunctious nephews after their parents die in a car accident. What starts out as a three-day trip to find foster care turns into weeks of farm life mayhem and a realization they have found a home for him and not the other way around. Okie dokie. I mean, it sounds corny, but who knows? It could be great. So let's see. And um, we'll end on this, right? So Disney have released a lot of the release, the um, film release information, right? And uh, yeah, so some of them, now not everything has got dates, but so far, 
the first omen will be dropping on the 5th of april uh kingdom of the planet of the apes is the 24th of may right inside out 2 is the 14th of june deadpool will be um on the 26th of july uh the new alien film is the 16th of august then the Am- amateur will be on the 8th of november while mustafa the lion king is the 20th of december so yeah i mean i'm intrigued man i'm looking forward to checking those out right so we'll see what happens so people enjoy your boxing day and the lead up to christmas and there might be something from echo chamber waiting um for you on christmas day so go and unwrap that but people Take care of yourselves, enjoy the film watching, and we will see you real, real soon. Peace.